everybody, welcome back to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. Um, John, John we, we, we caught up this weekend and you were lamenting the fact that I, I don't say we're the only Scottish Rugby Blog, the only Scottish Rugby Podcast that does things anymore. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Do I yeah, need to start that's... thinking of them? Right in, people tell me if you missed that and I'll try and think of some. Um, we are the only uh, Scottish Rugby Podcast that um, has not got a shell company. <laughs> I'm pretty confident that that is probably the case. Um, we did talk about not saying stuff that was libelous as well. Well, Gabby. that's true. We did say that, John. We did. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> you uh, you join us once more. Um, we are going to have a little look this week. We do a bit of a, a short podcast this week just to catch up on a bit of the European uh, news and a bit of the goings-on, here's and there's. Uh, and then next week, we're going to do a full Six Nations preview. I say next week, what we're actually doing is recording it at the same time. So please, don't send us any letters about this episode because we won't read them out next week because we're doing them at the same time. A double header, if you will. Um, joining me, as I've already alluded to, is John Anderson. John, John, we met in person this weekend for the first time. We, we did, yes, we did. And, and had a wonderful time in, in <laughs> sale. Uh, at the, we'll talk about that in a moment. And, and also joining me um, to give a bit of balance to the coverage once more, because it's been too Glasgow dominated the last few weeks, we've got Sandy Smith back with us. Evening all. I like a bit of yin and yang to keep us uh, on the straight and narrow. That's not a, never a bad thing, Sandy. You've you've changed your Twitter Twitter handle. I feel I never ask people how to contact you guys. You've changed your Twitter Twitter handle this week, have you? Yes, I've uh, I've I've gone all corporate and uh, I'm now at the Borough Watch, which is my uh, my professional stuff, just about <laughs> or as professional as it gets. Yes, yes, that's good. Good, good thing. Always good to be consistent and uh, in. In, in the professional sense, Andy, never hurts. Um, John, you're still, you're still, yours is strange. After my skin, skin, <laughs> skin, skenko, skinchenko. There's a, there's a long story regarding a bit of a, an obsession with a Ukrainian side in pro evolution soccer. So, um, yeah, but I, 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 ask me in person about it someday. Yes, um, you can get in touch with the podcast by emailing podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk you can find us on twitter at scottrugbyblog at cami black we're on facebook if you search for scottish rugby blog and we're on instagram scottish rugby podcast um we also have and we've got lots of new content on this we also have the blog itself which is scottishrugbyblog.co.uk where you can go on there lots of articles coming up um as we head towards the six nations we've got a couple on there already i'm going to mention one a little bit later in the podcast um uh, Ruri Britton, who writes for us occasionally, uh, takes a look at the Scotland squad and how the team's shaping up, uh, which, again, we'll talk about that in a bit more detail in next week's podcast. Um, you, we've also got a roundup of uh, the recent European action as well. Um, we'll start, I think, we'll, before we look at the European action, let's start with a bit of news. Um, there's been re-signing news, which is always a weird thing to write. When I try to start typing into my phone, I always end up typing resigning <laughs> and, and these aren't that. It's exactly the opposite of that. But there've been two two um, significant s- players signing new contracts, which is the only way I can ever phrase it, uh, without having to say re-signing. Um, we'll start with Edinburgh first. Then Big Ben Toulouse today, Sandy um, signing yeah. another contract. Good news for the club. I think absolutely. I mean, we're uh, there's still a big long list 
of players to get through that are out of contract at the end of the season, but they're, uh, they seem to be cracking on. Um, you know, he, he, he definitely has the odd detractor when it comes to a Scotland shirt, but has always performed well for Edinburgh. So uh, a line-out specialist, absolutely. So, yeah, good news. It's the usual undisclosed length of contract, however. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, he's, tw- he's, he's 27 which is, I thought he was a bit older than that, but only 27, so he's still got a good a good few uh, miles on the clock to go. Um, but this this seems to be causing a lot of concern amongst Embra fans in particular. That Embra, because uh, I think Glasgow have done it, but Embra seem to be not announcing contract length. Now, why? I, I'm, it's not that I'm saying I don't see the tr- problem with it, but I'm trying to understand what, what, what do you think Embra's fans are specifically with this, Sandy? Uh, uh, for me, it's just because, you know, it's part of the, 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 when you're trying to have a chat about these things, you know when somebody's got a, you're going to have to renew, when you're not going to be renewing, how long you've got them for it. I mean, you're right, it doesn't, it's not required, um, but it, it does seem weird that it's become a secret because I'm, I'm assuming you're about to talk about the uh, um, the signing on at, uh, at Warriors and that was quite clear how many years that was for. So it, it, it just... It's a bit confusing. I mean, some of the reasons that were given were, you know, that it would stop uh, other clubs from poaching them. Well, all they would need to do is ask their agent, you know, how long is their contract? And they'll get that information. Um, so it, maybe it is. There's a kind of thing they just don't feel that that's necessary for the public. But I suppose if we follow the follow these teams, that's one of the things that we want to know. How long, who have we got and going to be in their team next season or the season beyond? And how, you know, it's all just part of, particularly part of it if you're trying to do what we're doing and make a make an informed uh, comment on what the team is going to be in six months, a year's time. Yeah, and then um, away on the other the the other the opposite coast, um, John. We we've had news of uh, an, another player uh, signing a new contract, which is Ali Price has agreed a, uh, a contract extension. Now we know this takes him to the summer of 2022. What's yes. also interesting is that they they made him sign it in the hotel <laughs> before the match. <laughs> I, I mean that was he played well as well, so yeah, you know, we'll, maybe we'll talk maybe that's the key. Maybe, maybe that's maybe, it. Maybe, maybe it's like it's like Sandy winding props up. We just need to get our <laughs> we need to get everyone signing contracts. Maybe they should just do game by game contracts month by month. Yeah, <laughs> signed in the hotel before the game. Yeah, um, the interesting thing. Um, I mean. I, no doubt you see it as a good signing, John. I'm guessing Ali Price. Oh yeah, 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 without doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's a cracking signing. It keeps uh, keeps any suspicion that he's going to the the uh, Embra enviously eyeing your uh, healthy healthy scrum <laughs> half larder and going for a raid. Um, the interestingly, um, as it was announced, I was doing some research on the Melrose Sevens and came across a young 19 year old Ali Price turning out for Saris. Yeah, sevens seen, back, seen in 20, back in back in twenty twelve with blonde tips. Ah, uh, he was a handsome young boy back then, wasn't he? With those blonde tips. Yeah, wee chubby face. Scored a try <laughs> as well in the final. Uh, Duncan Taylor was also in that team. Um, I don't think there's much else in the way of news, unless either of you have picked up on anything, uh, Sandy. Anything Embraway news wise? Um, no, I, I assume the other news you're keeping till later on. <laughs> No, it's not necessarily Scottish rugby related. We, but... uh, yes, we will. We uh, we we will at length, no doubt, talk about uh, what's going on at Saracens. I think that there are tangential links 
Um, yes. <laughs> to Scottish rugby with that one. But yeah, I think that's that's what we'll save that. We'll tease that. We will cover that in Hands in the Ruck a little later on. Anything from you at all, uh, John? I just, uh, I saw, I, I noticed uh, an article earlier on that um, Hogg, um, after our lengthy discussion as to Hogg's temperament as captain, um, basically told Townsend he wanted to be captain, which I'm not sure that it's kind of the done thing. But I don't know that's how it quick. works. <laughs> Hear me, I'm captain, right? No, that's not how it works. Um, so I was quite surprised to see that. And yeah, again, it kind of just it just feeds into that that view of maybe Hogg doesn't really get the captaincy thing. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That's something I think we'll, we will talk about that next week in inverted commas um, yes. when, we, when we preview the Six Nations. Um Elsewhere, though, we, we'll do the, um, like I said, it's, it, we might end up rattling through the podcast this week uh, as a little bit of a short one. We just felt it was worth having a catch-up after the European uh, weekend. Um, before, uh, Sandy, I touch on John and I's um, wonderful trip to sail and everything that involved. <laughs> um, Edinburgh at the weekend, 36-0, a fairly comprehensive win for Edinburgh. I mean, I've only managed to see, because because I was um, I was in Manchester, I haven't seen the game. Um, because, but I have seen the highlights. Was it as comprehensive as it looked? Uh, yes and no. I, I mean, both. It's quite funny because both um, uh, post-match George Taylor and uh, then also I saw on the club website both described the early part of the match as turgid, which I thought was unusual that they both used the same, same <laughs> rather kind of arcane word, if you like. Um, and it was early doors. It was quite dire and although I didn't didn't really think there was any danger um, it just took a long time to really really get going um, uh, and the second half again it just it was I think a bit slow in places but you know I mean they never uh, I mean uh, as you never looked like scoring so that I mean that certainly uh, was a fact um, Darcy's tries were uh, all pretty decent <laughs> To say the least, no, uh, no, no gimmies there that I could, that I could see. I had a bit of work to do with all of them. Um, a line out still a wee bit malfunctioning. I'm not actually had a chance to check the, check the stats uh, to see how, how they were, but I know we we certainly missed a few, which is a couple of weeks in a row. Um, and to be honest, if it hadn't been for uh, Darcy's four tries, um, you know, if they had been spread out a wee bit, if it had been four different. Sc- uh, scorers, I think I would probably given a man of the match to George Taylor because I thought he was fantastic uh, again in the centre for Edinburgh. You know, he's really, really stepped up. I mean, it, it looked like the Darcy Graham tries really were kind of tries from from nothing. A few of them that, that they just kind of uh, it was his kind of individual brilliance that breaking through the line and 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 taking it up. Is that? Yeah, if, that's entirely if, fair. If yeah. it hadn't been for that, do you think Edinburgh still would have won us comfortably? I don't. Well, I don't think they were ever going to lose because I just. I mean, I don't. I never checked to see what the, the change in the AGN team was, but I didn't recognise a single name in it um, in their side. So I think they had pretty much sent over a, a shadow squad. Um, at the end of the day, they had nothing to play for. Um, I think if it hadn't been Darcy, somebody else would have maybe have got the tries. We might not have got the bonus point, and uh, but they were always. I think it was always coming. The pressure was always going to. Um, tail in the end um, but there was an awful lot of the game seemed to me in the in the middle half uh, middle section of the pitch um, and 
you know, you, when you win 36 now, you feel you should be really excited about it, but it just it never never really quite got to that level, which seems really daft to say, but that's that was the way I felt about it. I mean, I actually we actually got up for our seats after uh, after Darcy's fourth and went back to the clubhouse. Shocking The game was uh, was done, you know. I'm surprised we haven't had hands in the rock about that. So <laughs> folk leaving the match early, folk yeah, getting I up know. and going to. Uh, no doubt. No. Yeah. There, there was a really good moment in the first half, though, and I I, I, I can't remember how he how he got the ball, but deep in his own uh, 22, um, I think it was like a kickoff reaction. Uh, uh, Duhan van der Merwe got the ball and then proceeded to go on a run like he was. Uh, a pinball coming down a pinball machine, like one side of the pitch to the other, just bouncing people off left, right, and centre, uh, and eventually they uh, got a rock going and, and cleared it. And it was just, it was, it would not have been a surprise to me if he'd actually broke through and scored for there. But uh, it, it went on, it seemed to go on for about five minutes, just running backwards and forwards, almost <laughs> aimlessly. But at the same time, it was probably the most entertaining thing that happened in the first half. <laughs> uh, and how are you feeling about the away trip to Leicester? Bordeaux. Is it Bordeaux? Back to Bordeaux. Back to Bordeaux? Yeah. It looked as if it might be Leicester, but yeah. yeah. Un- I see a bit unfortunate because I think it would have been uh, quite entertaining for uh, Cockrell to go back to uh, to Leicester and play his, uh, his old side. But uh, yeah, but no, back to Bordeaux. Tricky, quite tough, but we've, um, you know, we've, we've lost one, we've drawn one, so there's only one outcome left really so hopefully that's the case yeah. um, um, if uh, if they do manage to overcome Bordeaux at home then it's either uh, depending on who gets through the other draw Dragons would be at home uh, or if Bristol win uh, then we'll be down at uh, uh, Bristol to play them so that's, that's the way the draw works out Yeah so maybe that maybe not an easy quarter final but, but not on not It's not on winner. Yeah. No, I mean they need to they need to be better than they were um, last time uh, over there. They need to be more um, consistent. They need to do uh, better in the line out. And uh, I mean physically, I thought they matched them, but just too many inaccuracies in that game to to really challenge. Plus, it was it was a good few changes. So it depends on this side we're able to put out. Yeah, I, I suppose it depends who makes it unscathed through the Six Nations, I guess, yes, for you. Indeed, how, yeah. how, how how full strength the squad is. Um, John, Yo. we took a wee road trip, didn't we? We had a we lovely, did. a lovely day out in sale. Now that I have to I will start by saying that the Trafford Centre is one of the most bizarre and strange places I've ever been in my life. Yep. It's have you ever been to the tra- the Trafford Centre before at all, Sandy? No, never. No, it's I think it's officially the largest shopping centre in Europe. Um, we met in the food court, which has a marble staircase, marble <laughs> statues of women with their breasts out, holding torches, and is themed like it the does. Titanic. I was, yeah, I, think I, would like I was grateful for the fact bizarre. I wasn't drinking. <laughs> there was no daylight at all inside. And then even as you walked around, everything's marble. It was like, it was very bizarre, incredibly bizarre. And um, we've got a couple of hellos to say, don't we, John? We have to give some shout outs. Yes, we do. We we met some of uh, Ian's Ian's um, Ian's compatriots uh, that he knew from from New Zealand. Um, we had uh, Rachel and Sarah. 
um, see, well remembered, go John. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> you thought I wasn't going to remember. <laughs> no, um, we, we, we'd said to them on the bus, we were going to give them a shout out on the pods. Yeah. So, uh, in return for them subscribing in front of us, we stood over them and made them <laughs> yeah, subscribe right. to the podcast. Um, yes, yes. One thing, was... I will, one thing I will say is just how marvellously efficient Sale are at getting people to and from a match. It was unbelievable. Literally yeah. walked out of the shopping centre, we were on a bus, off to the match. Uh, Came out of the match on a bus back to my car. Wonderful. It was stuff. it was quite impressive because we were given Ian um, daggers because we we myself knew had kind of walked ahead and were ready to get on one of the shuttle buses that was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ian was kind of dossing about doing Ian things. Um, so we we were shouting at him. But then another bus arrived like thirty seconds later, and yep. it just it was just bus after bus after bus. It was beautiful. Yeah, well, a lot of lessons I think for. Uh for certain certain grounds to learn from Seal. Um, yes. But then it was good to see a lot of the Warriors massive there. Um, I came away with two flags somehow, two Warriors flags. So that's my, I'm sorry, Sandy, that's my kids. My kids are now Glasgow Warriors fla- fans. By virtue of the fact they got I three can, flags. I can send you some, Cammy. Come on, we need to get this right. Come on. <laughs> free stuff. That's that's how you get, that's how you buy kids uh, support for a team is free stuff. Um yeah. The, I mean, the, the the game itself then, John. Yes. Um, I was surprised at how comprehensive a win it was for Glasgow. Yes and no. Um, obviously, we talked, we talked last week about Glasgow needing the five points to have any chance whatsoever of going through. Um, and the the return of the you know the second coming of Leone Nakarawa um had clearly inspired a few people. Um I believe Johnny Gray topped the offload count. Yes. Um, which uh, yeah, you yeah, yes, you heard that right. Um so but Sale also I mean there was a couple of they put out a couple of decent players but it was it was a second string team um and it looked that way uh, but i take nothing away from glasgow they you know it, it wasn't just a case of putting away what was in front of you they they really did play well yes exactly i thought they didn't it was just the the manner of the win um i think was was what was most impressive. It was almost a shame that they let the try in on fifty six minutes. I mean, it was. I think at that point was. Um, I think was was Leone in the bin at that point. I can't. Quite, I haven't watched, had a chance to watch the game back, but I think he was. He was possibly in the bin at, at that point. They're maybe down to fourteen. Um, possibly, possibly just back, back. Yeah, I can't. It was a shame they let that try in because I was really hoping for a nilling. Just because I, I mean, Glasgow's line speed in defence was just so quick. Sale had absolutely no time at all to think and. I thought Tom Gordon had an exceptional game over the ball. I thought he he looked really good going into the Scotland camp. Johnny Gray, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a coaching thing, but we've talked in the past about Johnny Gray falling to the ground, um, and as soon as he's tackled and recycling the ball, but he carried really well and really hard and broke the tackle a couple of times. Um, we, we'll probably touch this on on this next week, but and, and I know this is probably going to upset Sandy, so we'll, we will save the debate for next week. But I think I would be very <laughs> surprised if, if it wasn't Gray and Cummings at lock for Scotland, given that performance. However, Sandy, I am open to debate next week. Ask me then. I'll ask you then. I will save that. I'll put a pin in. Let's put a pin in that discussion until next week. Um, 
Hastings looked very assured on the ball, I thought, as in very good decision making. He's looking more and more confident, John, I think, as, as, as the games go on and he gets more time on the ball. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to uh, talking to an Edinburgh fan earlier on today, actually, and that was that was the one thing they'd put, picked out at the weekend. That, that and the fact that George Turner might actually be one of the biggest losses Edinburgh rugby have ever given up. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was saying Hastings just is starting to look you know, man or born for that shirt now. It's it's um you know, it's really good to have that level of confidence because, you know, if Scotland are going to play the way that we expect Scotland to play, Finn Finn obviously starts and does Finn things, but ha- if anything happens or we're quite far ahead and we want to, you know, give him a rest, it's it's really good to have an option to come on and actually just keep doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I know a lot of people go on about, oh, we need a plan B. We need to be able to kick the ball 70 metres like Donkey Weir. But no, we don't. We need to do the same things, but better. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised, I think, that Ali Price did learn because I, I didn't stay around for the Man of the Match award because I was, I was queuing for my, my, my efficient sh- shuttle bus back to my car. <laughs> but the, um, they'd given the Man of the Match to Ali Price. But then when I watched the, the tries back on the highlights, I I hadn't realised how I think it's hard when you're in the ground and we were quite near the near the pitch, so it's hard That's to kind of get yeah. the overview of of what's happening. But I I hadn't really appreciated how involved he'd been in pretty much you know getting in in the play as much as he had been in, and how well he'd. I thought I think we caught one kind of out the back pass from where we were yeah. sat. Um, I hadn't appreciated how involved he'd been, and again, that's a good thing for Scotland having. I guess the it's that kind of thing. If you you almost want Ali Price on to have a bit more of a controlled game and and do those things, and but then unleash George Horn in the second half against the tiring defence. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. And I think you can see that it's really interesting, and I think it says a lot about Price's character actually that you can see he's learning things from George Horn. Um, Horn runs those support lines and is always always after that second touch. And he does that quite naturally, and you can see Price is. I mean, Price was always always quick and always always had had a good break on him. But you can see he's really really trying to replicate what Horn does. The way he runs across the field. Um, if you watch George Horn, you know he's he's never he's never kind of following the ball. He's always following where he expects the ball to be mm. two three plays later. So um, Price has started to do that really well, and it, it's only good for Scotland. Yeah, and I think that link with Adam Adam Hastings as well. I think you know what I think we've said in the past that Ali Price has almost missed Finn Russell and been pining yeah. for him in a way. But they, they really, I mean, especially for the Sam Johnson try, that kind of the quick tap and go paid off. Yeah, yeah, they're, start, they're starting to build a partnership, which you know sometimes you get these these um, partnerships kind of come out of nothing and. Um, you, you kind of fit together straight away, but um, with Price and Hastings, it has taken a bit of time, and a lot of players, a lot of people would have suggested, you know, Horn and Hastings were were better together, um, but Price, he is really starting to understand Hastings' game and vice versa. I suppose he's twenty six, Sandy. So I mean, twenty six is is kind of prime age for a, a scrum half to kind of come into their own again, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously it takes a bit of time, whatever, whatever position, just to make sure that you've picked up everything you can and you never stop learning and all the rest of it. But uh, um, I obviously didn't see all of the guys. So this a first 15, 20 minutes. Um, uh, so I you know, can't hugely comment on the performance, but uh, I think it's 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 clear to see that there is a, a, 
a huge difficult choice even for, for Glasgow to make and perhaps it is depending on the game how they decide who's going to start and who's going to come on later and so it's uh, I think as you said it's uh, definitely a good thing for uh, definitely a good thing for Glasgow and it's as good a thing for Scotland as well to have guys like that yeah, I mean, I, I, just a quick word on the, the 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 confusion that reigned. John and Ian were both in the toilet, uh, when, and I, I was for, for the for the uh, Van der Merwe try, and I was sat on my own counting the fact that Glasgow had ten men in the line out, <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell was going on <laughs> on my own. I thought I was, I thought I thought I had too much Fanta. The other thing I would like to make this was nearly my hands in the rock, but I've gone with something else this week. Um, the um, I, I don't know if it was because I was with you and Ian and they didn't like the look or the sound of us, John, but I was banned <laughs> from taking my the top of my Fanta bottle into the ground. You were indeed, yes. <laughs> Man behind the bar gave him a bottle, said, can I have the cap too? said, you're not allowed to take that into the ground. <laughs> Wasn't even drinking, Sandy. Shocking. The, dan- the danger you would have caused with a Fanta bottle. Well, I did just... point out to the guy that I would, I could, I could, I said, well, I could throw the bottle I don't think I was necessarily helping my case there. <laughs> no, probably not. No. Um, Honestly, like two hours in the company of two folk from Glasgow and you're throwing <laughs> bottles at folk. Or oh, 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 threatening, threatening to. Thre- threatening poor, innocent um, uh, confederates with yeah. sailors. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got within uh, 30 yards of, of Ryan Wilson without him strangling me to death. So I, I think that, that would signify that he doesn't know who I am. So that's, a good, that's good news. <laughs> I think that he's not aware of the podcast, didn't recognise yeah. us and didn't leap over the, the advertising hoardings. When I came back from the loo and he stood there, you did have a, you did have a, a decent hat on, which was kind of you kind of you kind of had went quite incognito. So I had, so uh, maybe you just didn't recognise me. Yeah, yeah, that might have been true. Um, we'll move on then. I mean, it's it's a shame what ha- we're going to talk again. We'll talk about this more in hands in the rock about what's happened. It's a shame, I think, that Glasgow haven't gone through. Um, that is. To a large extent, John, I think it's their own doing. I mean, we can't get away from the fact that they, you know, that they they lost against La Rochelle away when they really ought not to have. Yes. There is a big butt there, and I think we will we will. I I like yes. big butts, and I cannot lie. And we will talk <laughs> yes. about that big butt in hands in the rook. Yeah, it is. Um, it is a shame that, particularly after that performance and the Exeter performance, that they didn't go through. However, as you rightly say, um, it was it was La Rochelle at home. Actually, they managed yes. to lose. Um, if you only win one of your three home games in Europe, you do not deserve to be in the quarterfinals. Frankly, no. However, other people may be more undeserving of quarterfinals. As well, I say, we might touch yes. on that later on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do a very quick, very special Where's Dougie Donnelly uh, that I got during the match against uh, the Glasgow match. I got um, on Twitter from Sarah, who said that she was in Malone's in Glasgow watching the uh, Glasgow game with the entire of the Berwick rugby squad. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did tweet Berwick and ask if that was true, if they could confirm, and I haven't had a reply yet, so... Um... So it was definitely true then. Definitely true that they were in below. I know they were playing up that way uh, at the weekend. So uh, yeah, that was good. That was an excellent Wes Dougie Donnelly. I liked that a lot. Uh, in other Wes Dougie Donnelly newses, newses, I'm getting my my, my Dougie Donnellys and uh, my plurals mixed up here. Um, <laughs> in other Dougie Donnelly news, um, you, if you go to the blog, we've got an article on there about the um, a Grand Slam winners. Uh, charity dinner, which the, all the the entire team from 1984 and 1990, so both both squads are going to have a charity dinner on the 8th of May. 
It's the Hearts and Balls um, dinner, which is heartsandballs.org.uk. And go along and buy tickets now. Can you guess, lads, who's hosting? I I, I have seen it as Doogie. It's, it's Doogie, Doogie himself. It's the man himself. <laughs> yeah, he was introduced as being... Um, uh, uh, one of the, one of the key broadcasters during the the Grand Slam in '84, uh, which I was surprised about. I thought he was still on Clyde. We, I thought we'd established he was still on Clyde FM in '84. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll ask him if we ever get a chance to speak to him. I thought he was on Clyde I, FM, but 1990 I could see, but 1984 seems a bit early. I'm fairly sure we're never going to get a chance to speak to him because of because of that legal thing that we're not allowed to mention anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we are not allowed within 30 yards of Doogie Donnelly because of all the stalking. <laughs> Slash tribute songs. Tributes, yeah. Um, he, he said he liked it. Uh, he said he was flattered. I mean, it was... Flattered, it was, freaked out. It's the same, you know, yin-yang, uh, as you said <laughs> earlier. Sandy. Lightness. Yeah. It was one of those awkward, um, yeah, I definitely like it. Yeah, I, I, I know I can't tell you I don't because I'm fearing for my life just yeah. now. Sort <laughs> thanks, of thing. thanks, lads. Uh, stop turning <laughs> off my house. Um... One interesting, interesting Dougie Donnelly fact. I apologise if we've mentioned this before, but whilst on Clyde FM, Dougie Donnelly's biggest fan was Paul McCartney, who used to listen to him on the way up to uh, on the way up to Mull to his house in in Mull. <laughs> Brilliant. So, Dougie spoke to. Uh, I've been confirmed by the man himself in an interview I read with him. Not that I stalk him in Google. Constantly Google Dougie Donnelly. You understand? That was for the purposes of research for song lyrics. Um, <laughs> Not, not that it make, not that it makes a huge amount of difference, but uh, just the, uh, uh, Paul McCartney's place was uh, just outside Campbelltown and uh, on the mill of Kintyre. Just of course, it's important not, to get this. Not, not yeah, on I know. Itself. It's important. It's my, to get this it's my hometown, so I've got to give them, I've got to give them their place, Cammy. It's the I only know thing. you're right. We'll, we've got, we've yeah. got to. It's important we that we get these things right. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on then. We're going to do hands in the rock. I haven't got any jingles queued up uh, this week because I've had technological issues, um, meaning that I'm, I've got to. Um, I'm, I'm skyping, speaking to, to John and Sandy via Skype on my laptop, where all the jingles are, are saved. Um, we'll do hands in the rock then. John, do you want to go first before I read out the ones from the from the Twitters? Yeah, yeah, I've got just a just a small one this week. Um, tickets, ticket sales, and ticket things. Oh, I heard a sigh there. Yeah, someone <laughs> someone feels this. Can I add it? <sighs> ah, yeah, yeah. Can we can we get a sound effect with that? Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, seriously. Um, it's it's silly season uh, on on ticket world um, for Six Nations and. Um, you know, people people doing the whole sob story of oh, I forgot to buy my dog a ticket for Christmas. Blah 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 blah. Shut up and go away, please, for the for the sake of us all. Um, the other one that's bugging me is charity ticket sales, and I know I'm going to sound like an absolute plat here, right? But I'm going to go with it, right? <laughs> people auctioning off tickets and raffling off tickets for you know for various charities including the doddy weir charity do you know what guys i am all for the amount of charity work that goes on but stop bombarding us with it i am tired of it i'm bored of it just if you've not got a ticket there's hundreds of pubs you can watch the game in there's hundreds and hundreds of opportunities to find a friend sit around a television with a with a carryout i don't know do whatever the hell you want just stop bugging me with tickets i know i mean there's the the, the thing that um i think um bruce aitchison who we're hoping to get on the podcast very soon um is doing a whole thing in Edinburgh. he's got 
you, you, you pay money, less than the price of a ticket, I would add, to Murrayfield, um, and you can watch the Ireland game with Tim Visser and David Denton and Bruce Edgerton. There you go, in Edinburgh. That, that's that's the ticket I've bought. <laughs> there you go, Sam. I mean, you know, what more? And and there must be lo- you know loads of events like that across Edinburgh and across across Scotland where you can go and, like you said, buy a drink and enjoy an atmosphere. And yeah, you're not in the ground, but it doesn't matter. I, I agree with you. With the, the the charity thing's an interesting one, John. I, I think I'm all for it if a ticket has been put up by the SRU or a club who've acquired tickets somehow and they're put up for. You know, for charity auction, whatever. Yes. What I am suspicious of, I think that's probably the, the the most charitable way of putting it when we talk about charity. It's suspicious <laughs> of is people that buy tickets and then raffle them off. Yes, because yes. Bit, it, yeah. we've we we don't. And I'm sure some people do this out of the goodness of their hearts. And please don't send me letters about this. I'm sure I'm not talking about you individually. If you listen, no, to, send, if you're listening to this, if you listen to send this and you feel them. this is about you, I'm not. I'm talking about somebody else. Bush. I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> I think people that buy tickets and then then sort of either because they can't go or whatever say I'm going to auction it off for charity. I, just sell it at face value. We don't, you know, we just just you know sell it at face value. And if you want someone to pay a bit extra to charity because they've been lucky then that's fine but I don't I don't think everything needs to be auctioned off for charity and I'm a bit suspicious that it's a loophole to charge more than face value for a ticket yes and if you look at the terms and conditions of your ticket sale you'll see that um, reselling in general is is completely off limits but um, um, yes definitely you know um, if you want to attract the attention of uh, the 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 selling body who retain ownership of the ticket throughout the transaction, um, you please feel free to to try and sell it off at above face value. Yeah. Uh, give us all a good laugh when it gets voided. <laughs> yeah. I. I mean, I, I'm sorry if we sound cynical, but it is. I think it, it can. It is maddening. I think when the the kind of the begging that goes on. When we talked, we talk about this every year. The begging yeah. for tickets that goes on at this time of year. And I think. If you're that desperate, turn up to the ground and buy one off a tout, or someone selling a spare in a pub. But you know, or 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 join your local rugby club for next year and yes. get your tickets. To and like... and not and not being near a local rugby club isn't an excuse. Correct. If, you know, you can be a member of a rugby club even if it's miles away. You can you know write to you can you know join their. I could. I, I'm not a member of Berwick Rugby Club. I keep meaning to join every year, but not for just for tickets, just because I you know, I want to support a local rugby club in Scotland. I want yeah. to money to go somewhere and. So yeah, it's not just living away from a rugby club in Scotland doesn't prevent you from joining one. Join your hometown club. There'll be plenty to be glad of your money. Absolutely. Yes. Can I just say, Sandy, as well, since you're going to be spending. Um, the Six Nations hanging out with Tim Visser. Um, can you just have a word with him about his, you know, his, his declarations on Twitter? Just get that. Yes, I, I, I think you've got the intimidating presence that you can sort him <laughs> out. So. True, true blue Tim. <laughs> I certainly don't. I certainly don't share his uh, his opinions on that matter. <laughs> um, I, I think I mentioned previously he's now Dutch again on his Twitter, so it it, it took our it took our advice. Is that has he changed his Twitter profile to say he's Dutch? It, it, is now a is Dutch uh, former uh, sorry Dutch former rugby union player who represented Scotland. Ooh, that's quite a it's quite a thing a, to say. It's a statement. It's quite a void for about face that. Um, Sandy, save save John and I from our cynicism. Let's have your hands in the ruck. 
Well, it, it, in a way, it's almost related to that because it, oh, no. it, you know, it just because people people who moan about people enough, auctioning it, tickets it, for charity. No, no not, quite, not quite. But John will uh, John will know what I'm talking about when I say that um, that I was uh, or he may he may know anyway that. I was in uh, my usual place at, at Murrayfield on Saturday, East Five, which is apparently a disgusting place to sit, as you may have noted from s- some statements. Yes. You can't see the game at all from East Five. It's ridiculous. You'd be as well using binoculars. <laughs> but um, as it seemed to be the, the inference that was being put forward. <laughs> um, but anyway, that, that's that's kind of just it's like a very, very loose uh, link into this. Um, for the last three, four games now, within earshot, there's been an angry wee man. <laughs> a, a wee grey-haired angry wee man who does nothing but shout at the referee for the entire match. Uh, now, one one week it was George Clancy. I, I get that. But when, he was, <laughs> when, he was, when he was shouting at Clancy for not letting... Or for letting the players run from under the posts um, at a conversion, thinking it was a penalty, it just starts to get a bit. And then um, last week, he, he he almost committed the fatal sin uh, when uh, Joy Neville was uh, refing um, to shout that it was just like a bloody woman. Oh! So he got um, he got roundly chastised for that, but uh, um, uh, didn't seem to be bothered one way or the other, to be honest. And then. And then on Saturday, when I could hear him again, actually I was like, I spent the next 15 minutes trying to locate him because I thought I've got to get away from this guy because he is driving me nuts. Uh, he's just, he just doesn't seem to care anything about the game other than it's uh, shouting at the referee. It just grinds my gears now, to be honest. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up having to sit in East 13. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's even worse. Good God, Sandy. Oh. You heard who hangs out in East 13, man? Yeah. I think that's a good, I think that's a fair shout. I think I remember going to, I once went to uh, a Scotland football international and I stood next to a man and his wife. Uh, with, my, with me and my dad and, uh, were, were there and this guy just spent the entire first half swearing and shouting at Graham Alexander just repeatedly, just telling him <laughs> how awful a player he was. And then at half time, <laughs> he just turned around to his wife and goes, I'll just away and check the babysitter's all right with the kids. Just... <laughs> <laughs> so, like, dotted off. And every we were all killing us. Like, all us now, although everybody else around was killing, killing us as what changed in the guy. And then he comes back with his, his drink for him and his wife. And he says, Oh, the babysitter says the kids all right. They're doing all right. Whistle goes, Graham Alexander, you're a pilot. <laughs> so, I don't know what. I think it's the, the whistle that kind of triggers these things. Um, although, I will say there was, I, I, I you know, I felt sorry for the, um, the the older gentleman and his wife in front of us, uh, who were sale fans by the by the look of their hats, who who had who looked most upset with some of the uh, with having two very gruff Glaswegians shouting all through the match. <laughs> they did not look best pleased, did they? They didn't. They, there was a lot of turning around. I think particularly some of the language used. But it's you know it's a sport. We've said before it's a sporting ground. Lang- languages languages sometimes used that you wouldn't hear elsewhere. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Although I did feel uh, sorry again for the family and the couple sat next to some Weatherspoons as Ian graphically described what pirate metal was about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
Yes. And what and what one song was about an anchor and what someone would do with that anchor. Um, and yes, I I, I think you, you and Ian and and um, our companions were were were, um, were already of of drink and, and maybe weren't, weren't weren't aware of the glances we were getting as we discussed <laughs> parrot metal. But never nevertheless, it was match day. It was all good. It was a Weatherspoons. Why are you taking kids in Weatherspoons on a on a Saturday? I know it's the shopping. Why, so why would you do that? Uh, pirate metal's a fair. I mean, that's fair game for Weatherspoons, really. I think it I is. Think it's... That's where that. If anywhere, if anything, Weatherspoons is where pirate metal belongs. Um, we, we've had yes. some, we've had one hands in the ruck this week from uh, Twitter, um, which is from uh, Simon, uh, who says his hands in the ruck is Saracens knocking Glasgow out for a third time <laughs> of Europe, which is a fair shout, and it. it it brings me on to my hands in the ruck, which is a good way of talking about this, I think, which is Saracens. Um, well, I good think the start. thing that's upset, I think we all know, for those that don't know, and, and where where have you been? You're listening to, a, I mean, you're listening to, I mean, not only are you listening to a niche podcast about rugby, you're listening to a niche within a niche within a niche. You're listening to a, 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 a podcast so that's niche, but one about rugby, which is even more niche, one about Scottish rugby, which is even more niche, and one that talks about pirate metal. So you are way off reservation <laughs> at this point. So you should know, you should really know the background to all of this. Um, but for those who don't know, may, may be slow to catch up. Um, like my mum and dad are in Australia. Maybe they don't know, and they, they, they do listen to the podcast. Um, Saracens um, were docked 35 points uh, for breaching the salary cap in the premiership. After that, they said, we are very sorry. Well, no, they didn't initially. They didn't say, we're sorry. We said, we did what we did, but we are now under the cap. Then they said, we're very, very sorry. And Nigel Ray, the owner, stepped down. A new chief exec was appointed. Premiership Rugby then said, can we check to see if you are now under the cap? They said, no, you very much cannot. Premiership <laughs> Rugby then apparently said, and this is we haven't got an official statement, but this is all... Um, kind of things that have, have been released in the press. Premiership Rugby then say, are you over the cap? They went, maybe, probably by about 2 million. And so Premier Rugby said, you can either open your books to us or we can just relegate you at the end of the season. And so this week, Saracen said, do you know what? We'll just take relegation. Thank you very much. Now, I'm not going to get into talking about Stephen Jones in this because we've we've talked about him before. I liked Simon Gleave, who uh, does all the stats. He he referred referred to him as a performance artist, which I quite liked, rather than a journalist. I I think kind of at this point he's he's a drunk clown at a kid's birthday party, um, just kind of talking about how wonderful his ex wife is and how he wishes she'd take him back, um, <laughs> such as his strong defence of Saracens, despite in the face of all the facts. However, there is kind of this rumbling, um, I think, on Twitter that's kind of uh, piqued my interest, and it ties in a little bit to the Glasgow thing we were talking about earlier, John. That this thing that, that well, Sarah, what what Saracens have done lives within isolation within Premiership rugby, and it very much does not. Uh, obviously, th- there's no salary cap within the Pro 14, but probably apart from Ireland, everyone is working within financial constraints constrained by, yes. by by means i would yes. say ireland's a different I, I, ireland's an outlier within this uh, the french top 14 have got salary cap premiership rugby have got salary cap so by saracens breaching the salary cap it obviously have, it has an impact within england because then 
everybody's looking to Saracens as the best played players, and so it artificially inflates money that rugby players are expecting within the Premiership. Yes. That then has a knock-on effect and ripples across world rugby because all of a sudden the Premiership then becomes somewhere that people want to go because it's they're going to be financially better off than they would be staying in Scotland, staying in New Zealand, and we've seen the impact of you know you've seen the likes of Lima Sopawang has come over to Wasps and you know taking all the money but just kind of sat around and not done much. But but there are there is a kind of any an exodus of players to the Premiership and to the top fourteen, which are the two richest leagues in the world, and Saracens inflating their wages forces everybody else to play catch-up and forces everybody else to kind of pay their top players more money, which in turn means that, I'm guessing, within the Premiership, they're, they're below their top players. Their players are being paid less because the club have to balance the books and pay the salary cap, so that has an impact on, on lower-paid players. It has an impact on us in Scotland because, you know... We don't know if if Saracens hadn't overinflate overpaid everybody. We don't know whether or not we might have been able to keep Johnny Gray and Stuart Hogg in Scotland. I think Stuart Hogg's probably unlikely, but could we have been competitive and persuaded Johnny Gray to stay at Glasgow if the wages hadn't been inflated? We don't know, but it seems likely we could have had a fair goal. He might have kept yep. in another season or so. So there's that. I think the other thing as well in in that, and it's maybe something European rugby need to look at whether or not you 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 Europe, you can somehow constrain European squads or have a salary cap on the European squad you're able to name. I don't know how they would do it. But the idea that Saras, you know, Saracens have won European trophies by being outside of the rules of their own domestic league. So they have been, you know, even even now that they, you know, they beat Racing 92 this weekend and that effectively put Glasgow out. They did that with an illegal squad. And there's no there's no argument about that, John. I don't. I mean, you can talk about how awful Glasgow have done, but they they've done that by cheating. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is that whilst you know you can argue about the rules and you know the fact that they've kind of been breaching the rules after the you know they've been called out for breaching the rules after the fact, but you know it's multiple seasons of breaching of a salary cap, which in my head, you know. If you don't follow the rules of your league, you, you know, if you if you break the rules in Formula One, you get disqualified. If you break the rules in football, yeah, that's probably not a great example. But <laughs> you know, in, in in most sports, if you if you know American football, you breach the rules, you tend to pay the price, and you you can't really be champions of your league by cheating. No, and I think that you know normally with with discipline. I mean, you think of with disciplinary and doping. You, if you get disciplined in one competition, then that carries over into other competitions. Yeah. If yeah. if you caught doping, so say you get caught, kind of, I don't know, taking taking cocaine. You found to have taken cocaine before a player's found to have taken cocaine before a Premier League, a Premiership match, in Premiership rugby. Of course, they'd be banned. You know, the the sample they'd be banned. You wouldn't say, well, you only took. You only did that when you were playing Premiership rugby. It didn't apply in Europe, therefore you're still free to play in Europe. Yeah, Matt, Matt Stevens was banned for two years, and that was across all competitions. It wasn't just it was banned from playing in the Premiership. Yeah, and I suppose you could say that there, you know, that there aren't like there aren't similar rules or, 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 or parallel rules within European rugby. But at the same time, I think if you've cheated, you've cheated. Yeah, yeah. Sandy, what's your take on this? Are you do do, do you 
kind of think we should throw the no, book at no, Saracens? Are you a bit more I agree. With you. I mean, they've definitely been given the uh, or at least appropriate punishment. Um, they, I think the, the 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 one thing I would say is that um, you're right. They cannot. They they can't have a have that squad. They've broken no rules in Europe, as you say, but they can't. The squad that they've put together has has been put together illegally, if you like to put it that way. Um, but perhaps I wonder whether that's there's you know it's not to excuse cheating, but a lack of joined up thinking between domestic leagues and uh, and European rugby, where it, you would think it would be as simple as to say is that you had to comply with with local regulations to be eligible to play. I mean, they've already got a rule that you can't. I think you can't. Playing the the Champions Cup if you've um, if you're in Division One in England or whatever the, the yeah the, that's right yeah, yeah so you know I think it's just that they haven't anticipated this this scenario was going to happen uh, and th- there's a kind of lack of because I think if they had thought about it in advance they would they wouldn't want this to be the the scenario yeah. my biggest fear on this to be honest is that that it actually suits. The English league, not for for full disclosure. I mean, I'm reading I'm reading tonight that the uh, Saracens chairman has said that he wants to disclose the 103-page report that's been kept behind closed doors. Um, now, whether you believe that or not, I, I'm just wondering whether that there's a, a, a the EPL is in a wee bit of a case of where they just want this to go away as quietly as possible now. Mm. Uh, and if Saracens take their punishment, go into the first division, come back up, uh, you know, effectively all is forgiven. Um, and nobody else thereafter has to kind of admit to potentially being close or being over or, or just disclosing whatever else is going on. I'm not, I don't know that that's the case, but it just, it all just seems a bit, it's all cloak and dagger and it's hard to say without that, that openness who it is that's responsible. I mean, I know that the rules, the rules down there are that these things are all done behind closed doors, but that in itself, I think, is not particularly helpful in um, in getting to the truth of what's what the facts are. But I'm, sometimes I've just I've just over the last few days I've wondered whether um, that suits them yeah. to have it that way. I um, think there was some suggestion. Well, I, mean, I was listening to Blood and Mud earlier today, and they were there was some suggestion. I think it was uh, Rhiannon Garth Jones was saying that. Um, the if if you've breached the salary cap, then technically you can't play in the Premiership for two seasons. I think that's right. Is, yeah. is, yeah. is that so? So you I have think to be compliant for two two, two full seasons. That's yes, be compliant for two full seasons in order to then get promoted to the Premiership. So so in essence, by saying we will take the relegation now, although they'll continue to play in the Premiership, that they may argue that they can be promoted the year after. Yeah. You also wonder whether they move towards ring fencing. All of us, oh, hang on, ring fencing is now a good idea uh-huh. in the Premiership. Let's bring, yeah. you know, let's let's get to 13, 14 teams and and ring fence it. Who knows? It it it's it's interesting. I think the other the other knock on effect, and we, we'll probably talk about this more next week, is the impact it's going to have on the England squad. I mean, Eddie Jones is talking about these clear the air talks. The fact that you know everybody, I think it's probably an already a, a lot of kind of uh, Saracens weren't a well liked team within England outside of Saracens fans I don't think because no. there was already this suspicion around them and they'd already kind of had their wrist slap once but now it's all out in the open and now there's this I mean I don't think that, I don't get the sense that the, the players feel particularly um, remorseful about it and I think this is the this whole kind of Saracens culture thing 
I think it's all very well having the culture, but if it, if it doesn't come with integrity, then the whole thing's meaningless and the whole thing fall, falls apart. And I don't get the impression that... For, 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 I don't think anybody's commented on it as such, but some of the behaviour of the players has been not necessarily kind of um, contrite, I think is probably the word I'm looking for, or humble. I think humble is hum, humble's the word I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for there. It hasn't... It's been more kind of resilient how dare people do this to us and we're going to show them and we're going to use this as a way of reacting to it rather than being yeah. we we are part of the reason where we are and we may not have been entire you know we may they may they're not responsible for that but they must have known that the club was breaching the salary cap purely you know they're going to have talked to his players about what they get paid and what business arrangements they're entering into with the owner of the club and stuff so they can't have been 100% unaware of it. If, if they claim they were 100% unaware of it, they are even more stupid than I think they are. <laughs> if, if they look around that changing room and think, oh, you know what? I know what I get paid, and I'm a... Let's, 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 let's role-play for a second. I'm Owen Farrell. Hi, my name's Owen. Um, I'm not the face, not the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm doing that this we saw at T Rex dance just now. It's a bit strange. Um, yeah, I'm looking around the Saracen changing room. I know that I earn X amount of money plus my uh, side benefits from Nigel Ray. I know that I'm a 50, 60 cap international. I'm looking around the changing room at a bunch of other 50, 60 cap internationals. It does not take very, very like strenuous maths to very quickly go. Hmm, there is 35 of us here who are all full-cap internationals. I wonder, hmm, 35 times that, oh, that's a bit over the salary cap. (laughs) But again, that's maybe giving Owen uh, a wee bit too much credit for his ability to do maths. Yes, we know. I mean, we we, we know he has issues with, uh, certain with height. Yes. He also has issues understanding the concept of when a try is scored. Maybe uh, Maybe that's his problem. Maybe that's why I didn't notice, John. Maybe he just, yeah. you know, he, he couldn't quite work it out and went too high or too low. <laughs> Didn't go, he, he went low for the first time in his life. So we're, so we're working out that Owen is, in fact, uh, geometrically, um, he's going to struggle to work out things mathematically. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why he always smashes people in the face with his shoulder. He just, he's I'm just sure. like, that, that bloke looks about, oh, about... Seven foot two to me, I'll hit him round the waist and ends up smashing yeah. people in the face. Faf the clerk in the face. Yeah. Ah, he's seven foot two, defo. Yeah. Um, that's it for us. For this. I'm just Sadio, say, you think, got one, sorry, you uh, point for us. I just think the funniest thing about this is that, uh, or funny thing, is that um, the English Premier League has now become the Pro 14. Because <laughs> nobody, I mean, everybody else knows that they're 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 staying up so they can you know they can play their academy guys and they can they can try and play a wee bit different style of rugby because unless they're uh, uh, unless they're going to win it and there'll be a whole there's a whole horde of them down the bottom half of that league have not got a chance of winning it never mind being in the playoffs they can actually use this as a uh, almost like an experimental season now because they know they're safe yeah, it's, been it's, good, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the the sad thing is that is a good thing for English rugby. Yeah, no. that's the terrifying thing about this. I think if it, that, 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 I live in fear for the day that in, you know English rugby realise they should ring fence their top competition because well, they're going to get they're going to get an example now, aren't they? I know exactly, and if they realise that it works for them, then good God. 
<laughs> oh dear. Anyway, um, let's let, let, let's leave it there for this week. We're going to, like I said, we'll be back next week with our Six Nations preview. We're actually about to record it now, um, and then uh, we'll release that on Tuesday. We're also um, hoping to have a very special guest on that podcast. More of that on social media as we get it. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Sandy and John. Cheers. Goodbye.